Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is A Lot To Learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. Without further ado, here's Austin. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. I have no idea what time it is because it's a podcast and people listen to podcasts whenever they might listen to podcasts. Oh my God, is this one going to be awesome? (laughs) (laughs) He's already laughing. We've got Steve Metz, who is the superintendent of the Redwood National and State Park System here in Northern California. Superintendent, that's the big boss. That's correct, yeah. That is awesome. Awesome. So today we're going to talk about the National Park System, you know, a little bit of history of it, where it came from, where it's going. Uh, But for those of you career-minded, how does one get into this path? Because it's not something you could just pick up and start and be like, I'm going to work for the National Parks. It doesn't work that way. Welcome, Steve. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks so much for coming to Northern California. We love you. Love uh, to have you here. Yeah. Excellent. 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 Um, now, if we go off the rails a little bit, just know that Steve <laughs> and I have known each other for quite some time, and uh, we go on baseball trips together. You could probably surmise what a group of uh, now middle-aged men do on baseball <laughs> trips. It's it's actually more wholesome than you think, but um, it is. So if if we get on little tangents or asides, just know that. We got history. (laughs) So, Steve, here you are, the superintendent of Redwood. This is a name brand recognition Mm -hmm. national park. Mm -hmm. This is Grand Canyon, Denali, Glacier, right? Yosemite, Yellowstone, Redwood. Mm -hmm. It's in the same sentence as these. But how many other national parks are there? Oh, there's over 400. um, And... There are many other Park Service units with them. With national parks themselves, there's about 60 of them. There's different categories of, of uh, National Park Service units that exist. But of, of national parks, there's about 60 uh, throughout the country. Right. And you are in one of the, 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 the premier, the jewels of the crown of the park system. But it wasn't always that way. <clears throat> That's right. Yeah, this, this is the culmination of my career. And I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Well, let's walk through that. Let's walk through, you know, literally from the start, the day one, I decide, <laughs> when does one decide they want to join the park service? Is this like, I'm really into ecology or history back in the day, and maybe this is the great career path, or I don't even know. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. I mean, you have to have a passion for this type of career. And so I started actually all the way back in New Jersey um, working for the county park systems. And I worked in a variety of different jobs there, including law enforcement and maintenance and doing other things, including being a naturalist, which is what we now call in in the federal government an interpretation. We we give uh, programs and other things on that. Um, Then I went to college and... um, I went to uh, I went to college and I and I got my master's degree and as I got out of that I uh, got into uh, science I worked for the Grizzly Bear Recovery Program, uh, working for the Fish and, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service making maps um, of uh, different linkage zones between large areas of uh, habitat for grizzly bears so they can move between them and, and try to protect those areas between large contiguous areas. From there I worked for a variety of jobs but I always wanted to work for. The, the park service, because I always wanted to work in the management of these protected areas. And um, 
I, we moved to Flagstaff, and uh, I worked for the Grand Canyon Monitoring Research Center, which was a unit of the U.S. Geological Survey. And we were studying the uh, effects of the Glen Canyon Dam on on the Colorado River and all the impacts that that uh, large hydroelectric dam was having on the river. But it was very challenging for me because I wanted to get involved in the management of it. But in being part of USGS, it was all science-based. And so um, at that point, I moved over to the uh, Park Service so I could get more involved in the management. So you had a huge, basically, base of a pyramid that just pointed ever upward towards being in the parks department because you worked locally, mm-hmm. you wor- you you honed your science skills, you worked for the USGS, you did the grizzly bear, mm-hmm. but none of this was, uh, well, obviously USGS is federal, but uh, none of this was within the park service because USGS is a sep- uh, separate entity. Correct, yeah. correct, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I was, but I, I always had my goal that I wanted to work for the park service because the mission for the park service is, is so much part of what I feel in my heart of what I want to do, that the park service is about preserving these large natural natural areas and also providing for the recreation of uh, for folks too so they can enjoy it and, and really um, appreciate those natural areas and protect them and so that was always a part of what I wanted to do and so I just worked towards that career and once I got into the Grand Canyon I worked for a long time um, as both a GIS analyst a geographic information system map maker but then eventually became the natural resource chief for Grand Canyon and then after that I became superintendent at a park and that was the big step in my career where Stepping from a science position into a management, management position, position. Yes. right? And uh, I'm assuming that 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 leap is not uh, is is that leap unique or or is is that a traditional route or are there more like more rote routes to get towards where you've reached? So in the in the past in the Park Service, the traditional route to superintendency to being the big boss at a park would yep. be through law enforcement. Because they kind of handle all the big crises in the park. They handle all that. Uh-huh. Now, now it's shifted to be much more, it's much more eclectic. Now, almost any group could be part of that. But especially because of the complicated resource issues that we deal with in resource management, where I was part of, we have much more ab- ability to move up into the management ranks because a lot of the challenges at the parks are based on ecological challenges. Right. Okay. So, like, back in the day of, like, wooden sailed and wood hauled British Navy. <laughs> no, no, this is this is this is relevant. The the uh the the gunnery lieutenants, those were the ways to advance. Yes, you know, yes, showing yes, combat yes. prowess. Oh, okay. yeah. But then the steam engines introduced and everyone poo-pooed the people in the engineering lieutenancies but ultimately, they're the ones who ended up running the new Navy, the new British Navy. The ironclad and the dreadnought British Navy were, our Navy were run by the engineers, not run by the flashy gunnery captains anymore, right? I mean, I can't believe you brought that home. I, I'm amazed. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. right. Yes, so, that's exactly right. There's been a shift in terms of the skill set that is needed to be superintendent. It's much more, the complexity of being superintendent is much more around resource ecological issues, climate change, those type of issues than it is around, uh, say, law enforcement or public management. Right, right. Um, and, and now you said that you, you gained your first uh, superintendency. Is that a word, superintendency? Sure it is. Super, <laughs> Super Nintendo Chalmers. <laughs> uh, early 90s Simpsons for you. <laughs> For you young folks, um, so you gain your first super ni- super Nintendo <laughs> purple monkey dishwasher. Purple monkey, monkey dishwasher. dishwasher. <laughs> you gained your first super 
Oh my God. You got your first park. Yeah, <laughs> there, you yeah, there you go. You got your, so you got your first park, but you don't, you don't just immediately hop straight into Redwood or Grand Canyon or something like no, that. Right. You, you, you had a term before yes. we, we were eating dinner right before. And before yeah. we, before we start, you said there was a term that you didn't know if you really wanted to say, but you go through a rotation. Right. And so, so if, if you're interested in being in senior leadership in the park service, you're going to have to work at parks that maybe not as desirable as what you might be envisioning. You don't work your way into a Yosemite or a Redwood. And so I started at a park. I, my first superintendency was at what, uh, Missouri National Recreational River, which is a wild and scenic portion of the main stem Missouri River in South Dakota. Right. Ooh. Oh, yeah, the Missouri's all the way up there. Correct. Missouri's the longest river system in the country. Correct. Yeah. Well, the Missouri-Mississippi River system, Mississippi's the longest river, the Missouri... Yeah, yeah, well, we got it. We got it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so... so I, <laughs> Uh, we're joined. We're joined by friends and family around this dinner table right now. So if you hear some of the, uh, if you hear some of the cackles, it's it's because we're 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 pretty humorous. I think we are. And uh, well, yeah, we could talk about the geography, but Missouri is. I just want to point out for my uh, my peeps in uh, South Dakota, and Nebraska, that Missouri is slightly longer than the Mississippi when it joins uh, the Mississippi and is larger ah. in terms of volume. So I just want to point that out. And I feel like I need to do that to uh, give the props to uh, my friends on the Missouri River. All right. <laughs> all right. I, I was either misinformed or my World Albanac 1988 ain't cutting it no more. <laughs> There's an East Germany? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Awesome. Yeah, so, so so you have to you have to run the gamut of and by the way, all these parts parks are incredibly valuable are. to the localities yes. in which they're located yes. and Im, Im, immeasurable for the preservation of our country, but they just don't have the glamour and the glitz of Grand Canyon. That is correct. That's right. That's right. So I moved from one of the big glam parks of Grand Canyon to Missouri National Recreation River, but the challenges were the same. I was working on the Colorado River about and working on regulated uh, river issues related to Glen Canyon Dam, same things happening on the Missouri River. The impacts upon the sedimentation, the impacts upon the ecology, upon the fishery are pretty much identical. They're large rivers and the same impacts are happening and the same rules apply. The important thing is it doesn't matter whether the park is a Grand Canyon or Missouri National Recreation River, the same rules apply. We treat the parks all the same. Right, and water still runs downhill. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, so then after, after this, um, you know, I, I, what, what, what sort of public is served by the, uh, Missouri, uh, the Missouri Regional Park? Yeah, so, so, the, so a lot of what we, were, what we were serving were a lot of anglers. There was a lot of recreational um, hunting and, mm-hmm. a, and a lot of the more traditional, what you would think of people that they would use for the river. But the most important part was that Congress had designated it as a wild and scenic river stretch. And what that means is a very specific law passed the same year as the Wilderness Act that kept the rivers wild. That meant there couldn't be development along the river. And mm-hmm. that was mostly what the resource challenges were because – it was in a high, highly agricultural area, highly developed area, and so folks would want to develop along the river, and we were there to kind of say, okay, you want to do that? That's great. Let's talk about how we can do that, but still preserve those values by which Congress said to maintain this river as a wild and scenic river. Right, responsibly and yes, whatnot. Exactly. And also, I mean, I, one of the huge <clears throat> environmental crises of our time is, you know, dealing with uh, agricultural runoff. How do you That's even right. get into that? So we worked in partnership. Um, there were many, many uh, groups that were working on the Missouri River to try to um, restore the ecology of the river and 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 restore uh, the um, 
the the endangered species along the river, and we worked with them. A lot of times, uh, the USDA had a soil conservation service, which it used to be known as, um, would work uh, to preserve those soils and those type of things. And we'd work with them on uh, with our landowners that were around the river on those issues. Okay, yeah. So, so the the this is not necessary. I mean, the mandate is top down, obviously federal downwards, Mm -hmm. but for the boots on the ground, like superintendents of your park and Mm -hmm. other smaller parks, you're, you're really working hand in hand with the localities and even the citizenry embedded in and around your park because people live and work in these parks and natural wildernesses. That's exactly right. Because we had- when we think of parks, we think of, well, no one lives in Central Park. Well, well, who would live in Central Park? Well, that one crazy guy lives in Central Park. <laughs> uh, but people live and work. I think that's one thing that maybe people don't understand. Like the right. scope of scale of some of these wildernesses parks are tens of thousands, and if not hundreds <clears throat> of thousands of people live and work and sustain themselves on these federal protected lands. So there's got to be some sort of public-private partnership going on. Exactly. No, no, that's exactly right. We had over 700 private landowners within our boundaries of our national recreational river. And so that meant we worked with private landowners who worked with 11 counties, worked with two states. It was a lot of engagement, a lot of partnership. Everything we did was working in partnership with the local landowners to try to work with them to talk about what are what we were trying to conceive and what we were trying to do to, to keep Congress and tr- keep the congressional intent of keeping the Salon Scenic River while also allowing them to have a job and, right. and, and maintain their farms. Right. And so we had to be reasonable. We had to work with them on those issues. And, and that was a big part of the job. I actually love that part of the job because it, it gets me out there talking to folks and, and they could just talk to me and we just worked it out. Worked it out. That's How many right. black helicopters did you send for the ones who now... <laughs> <laughs> I did not own any black helicopters at that park. I, at that I, park. Yeah, at that park. Other yeah, parks, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. That, was, that was just like sort of a black quad bike, and they'd pick you up and be like, you're coming with us. <laughs> Dave, is that you on the black quad bike? Yeah, I know, I know, but still, you're coming with us. You're going to the secret location, right? Um, so so next park. Yes. What's next? So, so now, yeah. now you've so you've – You've cut your teeth in your science and your your yes. sort of locality. Mm-hmm. Now you got your first superintendency, nailed it, uh, and 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 this is at you know a super regional park that yes. of course crosses many jurisdictions. Um, and then what's your next promotion? Where do you go from there? So from there, I went to uh, Great Basin National Park right. in uh, in uh, eastern Nevada, and uh, that is the park that uh, is known for the oldest trees in the world, over five thousand years old, bristlecone pines, yep. as well as a large cave called Lehman Caves, uh, which is a large limestone cavern in the cave. Yep, and much more a traditional park, and uh, it's a very remote part of Nevada. It's an extremely pristine park. So I went from a very altered ecosystem in the uh, Midwest to uh, to a very pristine uh, ecosystem where uh, the ecosystem was generally functioning at a very high level. Right. Now, Great Basin, that's a weird name. I think I know what it means. No, no, that's fine. Do do whatever you want. I don't care. You know what? Hey, did you guys not like the clicks and pops? I don't care. It's my podcast. Tune out. Um, what was it? Oh, yeah. So uh, Great Basin. I, eh, what's that mean? So Great Basin is, a, is an area... This is... The park was representing a, a large uh, geographic area that is an area where water actually doesn't flow to the ocean. It actually flows inward, and it never reaches the sea. It is and immune to the continental divide. It is. It yeah. is. And so, so it is. Um, it it 
all the water flows in. And so, so this represents the best of what Great Basin had. It had a 13,000 foot mountain. It had the oldest trees and it had this limestone cavern. It it was a really an exceptional part of the Great Basin, which covers most of Nevada, parts of Idaho, parts of California, parts of Utah. It's that part of the country where none of the water that falls there actually reaches the sea. Right. What's, what is the name of those sedimentary runoffs that come off when I, oh God, I'm totally forgetting my AP geology. The, it comes off, comes off the mountains and it hits a level, it hits a, uh, the water hits a level, uh, a level sand bed and then just dissipates and creates a fantail. What is that called? Or I think it's just called fantail. fan? Oh, it's called alluvial fans. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I, I sort of got it. All right, cool. Alluvial fans. Were there a lot of alluvial fans there? It was all about alluvial fans, yeah. my friend. Alluvial fans are <laughs> you the, are a geographic alluvial, master. Alluvial fans are the shit. They're so cool. They look so cool. It was, and the best part of this is because it's Nevada and it's kind of dry. Yep. There was very little vegetation, so the geography. I mean, the geology was very exposed, and so you could see the alluvial fans. Uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. It, absolutely gorgeous place. So, okay, Nevada Utah border. You said right. What? Oh, is that in the Rockies or is that in a different system? What what mountain range is that in? Uh, it, it, it's not really in the Rockies anymore. Yeah. It's, it's kind of in the inner mountain region that's okay. between the Rockies and the Sierra Nevadas in California. Ah, so it's, okay. Nevada is actually the most mountainous state of all the states. It's also the most it, it, gamblingist and hookerinist. <laughs> um. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Depending on which county you're in at the time. That's right. Um, <laughs> I, um, oh, yeah. Okay. So, okay. Okay. Now I'm picturing where it is, right? Mm-hmm. So, that was where was that where the Great Inland Sea was? Yes, that, that would be one of the many inland seas that the North North America had. Right, at that right, time. right. Yes. Okay, cool. So we have fossils up at ten, twelve, twelve thousand. Right, foot, right, 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 right. Yeah, because oh, it rose right. up, and and that yes. and it's still completely that's still completely exposed sediment, uh, right. sedimentary rock. I mean, this yeah, yeah, yeah. The strata is still visit, visible there. It hasn't been metamorphosed at all. No, no, it's just been uplifted. Correct. Oh, that's really, right. really it's, cool. It's a, it's a basin and range, so the, so the fault lines are tilting, uh-huh. and, and so the mountains are tilting up high, right. and then you have these huge... But you still... So, so, all of, so if you drive from Great Basin National Park uh-huh. all the way to Reno, or say all the way to San Francisco, you're going up and down 13 mountain ranges, up and down, up and right. down, 5,000, 4,000 feet up to 13,000, up and down, up and down. But they're like recumbent folds, though, so if you drove a tunnel through it, you'd be going through like year one, year 30 million, year 30 million, year one, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 correct, yeah, yeah, correct, yeah. Correct, gotcha, correct, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna be driving through that on my road trip, or at least I'm gonna be driving through that area, the basin, right? I, uh, will I? You're going to Portland. You're going too far north. No, no, that. no. And then I'm going Reno, Las Vegas, Grand Canyon. Will I be driving? Reno, Sorry. Las Vegas. Yeah. So you're gonna be skirting the edge, skirting, skirting it. the but edge. You're I, not gonna go across. So the mountain ranges are all north, south, uh-huh. and they're not east, west. So you're gonna, you're gonna. Got it. The, but I will be driving valley. in what was that great inland sea. Correct. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. Um, so, so, and now Basin is legendarily remote, right? Yes, it is. And so our closest grocery store was 75 miles away. The closest yep. hospital was 80 miles away. That was um, very challenging to uh, be in, uh, but it was also very exciting. So what that created was um, the lack of development created... Uh, uh, very uh, dark night skies, yeah. and so so the light pollution was almost m- minimal to the point of some of the best skies you could have in North America, if not the world. 
also is uh are the weather systems moderate there enough to like what's what's the ratio of uh clear skies oh, per year 300 years plus of sunshine 300 years yeah uh, 300 300 <laughs> days 300 days of sunshine yeah well 300 years of sunshine I too mean, but with, yes. the, with the with the with the gray beard and the gandalfy like uh presence i, I <laughs> oh bird i love it oh, you great. shall not pass great basin as the mark next it left does. gift shop on the <laughs> <laughs> Exit through the gift shop. Um, oh, yeah. So, so that's, that's, so, and, that's and, so the, and no one gets to see that anymore. Right. And so the lack of humidity plus the, the lack of uh, light pollution creates some of the most exceptional astronomical uh, viewing that you can have. In right. fact, in my time there, uh, working through our friends group, we were able to build a small astronomical viewing area that is used by several research uh, universities for students to learn more about um, um, the astronomy and do that type of uh, scientific research. Uh, how many uh, how many black helicopters in that one? Because you're close to Groom Lake, there, aren't you? Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, are you close to Groom Lake? They, they took they took it away. I had one, and then they took it away because I used it too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's on first? Black helicopter? I don't know. Third base. Um, uh, yeah, no, that's well. We don't. We light pollution is one of the pollutions that no one really thinks about. Correct, yeah. But it it throws off migratory birds. It throws off yes. insects. That's it right. throws off all the things that consume and operate in these spheres um ooh, is is light pollution just sort of we're going on tangent here but is light pollution just sort of like ah, that's a fight we lost we can't stop that pollution that that is not that is not accurate you know i i don't think it's a i don't think it's a fight we have to give up in fact right here at redwoods we are we are becoming what's called the dark night sky park and, and that is a way you can create if you uh put shelters on your lights and point the light down where it's really needed you don't need uh-huh. light point showing up in the sky right it's just a matter of changing the fixtures over time and so and, and there are different cities and counties so you have that a mandate you're working on right now to implement that that's right even here at redwoods right yes. yeah, right. right and we did that at great basin it, it's a matter of of, of just making the light point down it's, it's very simple and and so it doesn't why waste the light shining up and ruin your night skies when in fact you can point it down where you need it well who is this no, gonna know that xerox owns that building you know or whenever <laughs> i guess being a new yorker it's pretty hard for me to like well, like all the lights point off in new york we're bigger and better <laughs> why do i always do freaking diver diverge divulge why do i always just degrade degrade to this <laughs> i always come back to this voice and i want to talk about zeppelins and the kaiser <laughs> I know. um Oh yeah, so so we can we can fight light pollution. Yes, you can, and and it's it's, it's quite economical, and and it's not a, it's it's not a huge deal for a city or a county to take on an ordinance that would say over time as you're replacing lights that you're going to make them pointing down and provide some light shelter so you reduce the light pollution. Oh, well, we do it anyway with mandates and and laws uh, stipulating LED or compact fluorescent lights. You can't you can't buy iridescence anymore, so. You just do the same thing. It's got all external fixtures have to be pointed downward. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I, that is, that's some Occam's razor shit right there because it literally is the easiest solution. And I'm like, okay, okay, hey. So everyone out there, light pollution solved. Point your lights downward. <laughs> And done. And uh, see you next week where, where we tackle plastic in the ocean. That's right. I'm on that next. You're, you're like, you're like nah, you know, actually, I'm not in on that one. <laughs> you can't point the plastic down. That's right. <laughs> so, um, so Great Basin, that's a challenging time, right? But this is still in the, in the motions of working your way. Uh, you sort of said, or you made an oblique reference to, not, not by the way, in a negative way, but the, the Park Service 
is in a way sort of paramilitary. There are ranks and hierarchies. I, no one thinks of like, well, park rangers, you know, they've got a, they've got someone to answer to. Uh, I don't, I don't get it. Tell. Yeah, so the, the, so the Park Service and all the federal government, but especially it seems in, in the agency I can speak to about the Park Service, is that uh, different parks are kind of in different zones and based on um, your pay and kind of and, and categorized right. like by that. the G7s and the O4s yeah, yeah. and whatever. Everyone's got their I wasn't going to get technical, but yeah, yeah, yeah so it's, yeah. it's, it's a GS, general service. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. there's like 13 parks and 14 parks and 15 parks, and then there's actually even another level higher than that, which goes into the Grand Canyon-type parks, these senior executive service parks. Right. And so you, you kind of work your way up through those, but they're, and they're generally representative of the complexity of the park in terms of the political issues, the, the ecological issues that you have to deal with, and, 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 and in some cases, the visitor service issues that you have to deal with, the amount of people you have. Right. Um, and, and, and obviously, there's a, there's a hierarchy. Like, is there like, oh my God, it totally is like the Navy. Like, you start on a patrol boat, you don't get a carrier out the, yeah. out the you're like... <laughs> Hey, I just graduated. Here I go. I'm in this voice again. I just graduated in Annapolis, <laughs> class of 32. Do I get the USS Lexington or what? No, you get PT-109 and you get sunk, Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> you know who doesn't get sunk, Kennedy? Winners. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Literally, it was 1944. The guy can deal with it. Um <laughs> No, no, but you're 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 right. Oh yeah, I told you we were going to go off the off the charts with this one. By the way, you could you could write your uh, angry letters to Steve. Mad- that's right. That's right. <laughs> care of <laughs> care, care of care of Congress because that's who he answers to ultimately, right? Yes, that's, that's true. So that's where the ladder stops, right? Yeah, so so ultimately, I work in the executive branch. Oh, so my oh, boss is yeah. the president. Yes, mm, okay, not, not Congress, cool. but yes. Oh, yeah. Congress okay. passes the legislation yes, that you're, authorizes you're, the park, right. and those are the rules we follow. Got it. But, but your boss is. But my boss, the president. I work in the executive branch. Yes, correct. Yes, the correct. president, and correct. we'll leave it at that. Correct. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the president, whomever it may be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You've been through several presidents. Uh, I have. So okay, so so now you've worked your way up to a basin, which is. Enormous, right? What's the acreage? no? No, actually, it's not. It, it isn't. No, it, it sounds it's, it's big. Great basin, doesn't it? Yeah. No, no. It's only seventy-seven thousand acres. Oh, only seventy-seven thousand acres. Give yes. us a scope on that. Is that well, Rhode Island? No, no, not no. even close. No, oh. no, no. It's it's you know twenty thirty miles by by twenty twenty miles uh, wide. And so, oh, okay. It's, it's not huge. It's 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 really is. They really tried to. Um, try to pick the most significant part of the Great Basin. But in terms of the Great Basin size, which uh-huh. is enormous geographic uh-huh. area, it's actually quite small. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, got yeah. it, got mm-hmm. it. So it's like Rhode Island. <laughs> no, no one, no one ever, ever, no one actually knows how big Rhode Island I was gonna is. Say, like, you're gonna have to tell me no, the no, well, no, one, no yeah. one knows, but it's like, ah, oh, it's about the soda of Rhode Island. You're like, that's pretty small. How small is it? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so, and now Great Basin is probably a park that most of us have Never heard of. Correct. Uh, how long? How long did you serve there? I was there for about five years. Five years. Yeah, yeah. And 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 what sort of? I mean, this might get into bureaucracy, but mm-hmm. I'm frankly interested in what sort of like um, metrics and like and like assessments are applied to you to deem yourself ready to move on to the next step. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Yeah. So, so yeah, from from a park like that, um, it's like what if what if you're terrible? What if you're you're not obviously because you have a proven track record? But yeah. what? How do they separate the wheat from the chaff? Yeah, right. Good. That's actually a great question. And so, so there's a, a lot of factors that that look 
that they look at when they're trying to hire superintendents to the level of like a Redwood National Park right. or Yosemite or Grand Canyon. Right. And a lot of that is, is you know, some type of political savvy, you know, mm-hmm. some type of understanding that you're working with the communities and the local relations. And so, so they're going to look at those things. How, how are you working with the local communities? How are you looking with the local tribes? Right. How are you working with all those folks you need to, to work with that? Also, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. They're going to look at how are you managing your employees? Are they happy? Are they sad? Are you, do you have productive employees? Also, they're going to look at how well are you at, at bringing funds into the park, bringing special projects in, those type of things. How are you working in those partnerships to bring those type of funds and special projects into the park? This is truly political yeah. management to the T. Like, yeah. you're not just... <laughs> You're not just the supervisor of employees. You're not just the uh, overseer of a budget. You're going outside. You're going inside. You're going left. You're going right. You're going down. You're going up. You're going everything just to make this park a better place and make it operate to the mandate that it's been given. Oh, my God. This is way more complex than I ever thought. That's what makes it a great job. Right? That's what makes it so interesting. Every day you're wearing a different hat. Correct. Every hour. Every hour. Every hour I'm wearing a different hat. Every meeting I'm shifting and pivoting to a different consistency that I'm talking to. I love it. I absolutely love it. So to go back a little bit, we're going to get on to Redwood eventually. (laughs) Um, Now, you said you 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 worked at county parks in uh, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. You know I grew up on a Westchester County, New York park, right? Yes. Yeah. And my dad was was a laborer. My dad dropped out of high school. He was Mm -hmm. digging ditches and blah, 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 blah. Uh And then one day they're like, does anyone want to be the night ranger? My dad goes, sure. Don't have to deal with my kids anymore if I'm the night ranger. I sleep all all day and I drive around all night. (laughs) Fair enough. He did deal with us because we'd be like, can we go out with you? He'd be like, want to drive around a truck till four in the morning? Like, yeah, I do. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Snow plowing. Dad with the gas pedal, oh, me with the steering wheel on nice. his lap. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think I, ra- I ran my first snowplow at like six years old or nice, something like nice. that. And it was in like, awesome dad. Oh yeah, and, awesome it, dad. and it was like in an old school Ford Bronco. Nice, no, like a, yeah, Ford it was like Bronco. A, it was like a seventy four, nice. seventy eight Ford Bronco because it was in the early eighties, oh, yeah. right? Oh sweet, so cool. And then eventually, my dad, you know. Uh, he was stopped being the ranger, and then all of a sudden he's like, I, he's, my dad's an amateur artist, so he reformed one of the rooms in the, one of the farmhouses yeah. on the park, and he started putting up art galleries there. And then the next thing he knows, the, the Westchester County's like, do you want to do our arts in the park program? Right. So he's installing sculptures in all of Westchester County's parks. Mm-hmm. Monumental sculptures, <laughs> 20, 30 feet tall, by world-renowned artists. Um 
And then uh, the Westchester County government changed hands, and then everyone felt that their severances were going to get cut, so they all took retirement and left. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad's been retired since. Okay. Yeah. But- That's a great story. Though. It is a great story. Yeah. So like that on a microcosm does, yeah. like, you, you know, you, do, you might, for those of you out there listening, yes. you might not be able to, mm-hmm. or might not have the academic credentials mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. get into the national park system. But for every one national park, there are literally hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of state, local, and mm-hmm. county parks that have similar systems that operate similarly. And you can do this and you can help your community just on a way smaller scale. It still works and it still helps. And parkland is immeasurable. Like I am the product of growing up on parks and look what that got me. <laughs> I am so lonely. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. No, I, absolutely. You know, I, I, think, I think the point is, I, I don't think that there's any one avenue right. to leadership within a park, and whether it's uh, national, state, local. Yeah. It, it, it all counts. It's, it's all part of a rich mosaic of protected lands that, that help, you know, they enrich our souls. Mm-hmm. And, and they're not just for wildlife. They're, they're for us as well. And, 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 and that is important and, and whatever role you can play engage on it, it do, you don't need to be a scientist that's the role i took but you could be there's maintenance folks who are superintendents there's law enforcement folks who are superintendents any role that you want to take can, can become a superintendent right and each one of these facets you know you get to put your own little hallmark on the park and Correct. like like you know no offense to the scientist but the scientist was overlooking digging ditches the whole time but the maintenance guy gets in charge of the park he's like you know what we need more irrigation ditches. Done. You know, there it is. That problem exactly. that the parks had that they didn't know they had, the maintenance guy sees it from a mile away. The scientist's like, damn you, scientist. Every time, uh, I think it was uh, Rick and Morty or South Park or both, it's like, whatever you say, Mr. Scientist. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently, uh, apparently no one respects scientists anymore, apparently. That's what I'm told. That's what I'm told. No one respects, sorry, can't do your boss's impersonation. Um <laughs> <laughs> yes, please no. I will not. <laughs> please, please no. Um, and then, and then you get called up to the majors. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Like, did do you have to lobby, apply, throw your hat in a ring, yeah. or is it more like is it more like a meritocracy where people are like you're rising and you, you he deserves to go on this one, or is it a hybrid of the two? How do you say oh, I really want Redwood, or just mm-hmm. do someone say to you like? Ah, he's the guy who deserves Redwood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And so, so I did a, several things to move from. Um, it's a big step up from Great Basin to uh, Redwood. And so, to do that, I did uh, several things. What we call in the federal government details, right? I did um, four or five months in a different type of job. And so, one of those was as um, deputy regional director at, in San Francisco. So I worked in San Francisco, actually a great office downtown. Um, kind of overseeing a variety of parks, several, like 20 or 30 parks. Right, San Francisco has a whole ecosystem of parks surrounding the, the area. Yeah, or yeah. Or is this no, even bigger th- than this, that? This is bigger than that. This oh. is the entire Pacific Coast region. We have 70 oh. parks in it. And so I was, I was the second in command of the entire region. And Got so it. I did that as a detail. That was Got a it. permanent job. So I did that to get some perspective on what it would be like to be out of a park, but in that middle-level management. Not in Washington, right. not at the park, but in this regional-level right, management. Right, 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 right. So I did that for a few months. That gets your visibility. Risen, 
Um, and then in addition to that, I went and I was a uh, superintendent for about five months at Point Reyes National mm-hmm. Seashore, which is in uh, just outside uh, San Francisco. And that's another, that's a 15, that's a high level park, uh, similar to Redwoods, very equivalent. And so I did that to show them that I could handle that level of complexity in terms of political uh, complexity, complexity of resource issues, those type of things. And, and with that, then when I applied for the job, I still had to competitively apply for it. I was in good position to then get the job. Right. Okay. So, but you, you were gunning for Redwoods specifically or other higher echelon parks or was, was, or do you do a combination of the two or do you have to throw all your eggs in one basket and be like, I'm going to concentrate all my effort on getting Grand Canyon, you know, or well, obviously Grand Canyon's like, right? Right, right. But, um, but the, I, I'm just wondering which one, which, right. what comes first, the chicken, so, chicken or the horse, so, or the so, cart or the egg? So it's a very personal decision. So a lot of it is uh, deciding with your family about what places would you want to live in, what places you want to raise your children. Yep. And, and so Redwoods was on a, what we call a short list. Yeah. And uh, that list got shorter and shorter over time as our children got older and older. Right. And so uh, we're very happy to be here because this had the uh, proper mix of community that we wanted to live in and the complexity of the job that I wanted to take on as a challenge. And like Humboldt County is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, your lovely wife, Stephanie, cooked us an amazing <laughs> dinner. And you guys, you guys are, I know, yes, yes. She is, she is bowing when we should, we should be bowing to her for right. cooking this. Where you guys have your, you guys have your community co-op right around the corner where you can actually literally pick your fresh vegetables that are seasonal year round. Because apparently California is just the weirdest place on earth where it's 61 degrees and nice all the time. Must be nice. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you you picked a lovely part of the country to in which to live, and that's that's pretty special. Um, okay, first day in the door. Do you have to you know shiv a bitch to make yourself known at Redwood? You're like you got to you got to knock out the biggest ranger in the. <laughs> that's interesting. Wow, you are a very astute question. So yeah, so what what is what is your approach? Right, is it management on that first day and your first year? Or is really yeah, yeah. something now that it's my. You've got to set a precedent, right? but you gotta, you can't yeah. ruffle feathers because Ex- you got it. the institutional knowledge is Correct. really important. Too often new people come in. Mm-hmm. If you came into a yep. smaller shop yep. and you're like, we're going to change yes. it, people are like, oh, we're small and nimble, we can change it. Yep. But if you come in a big place, institutional yep. knowledge is really, so there we go, back into the politics. Exactly. So what do you do in the exactly. first day? And what are their blind spots that right. they're not seeing that you're coming in as a new guy who sees this because I have some other experience that they don't have. But then and you so- also have to delicately bring it up, be like, by the way, you didn't notice this, yeah, you know, you did, dummy? You, yeah, you didn't notice the toilet that's overflowing. Yeah. yeah you might want to get yeah. on that. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that type of thing. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So it is It is a balance between trying to assert what you think in your gut, it, you know right away. You, first, I, I don't, your first month, you pretty much know pretty much 90% of what you need to do for the next 10 years of your life. Right. And But how do you roll that out to a staff of several hundred people in a way that makes them feel engaged and makes them feel like they're part of it, part of the solution, and, and convince them that, you know, you weren't working on this, but let's go ahead and pivot a little bit to work on this type of issue. Yeah, that was important, but you know what? Times have changed. Let's go ahead and work on this type yeah, of issue. Yeah, That's yeah. a lot of what I spend my time on right now. Yeah, so both harnessing institutional knowledge and preventing institutional inertia. Correct. That's oh. exactly right. And yeah. The lar- the lar- How you like them semantics, huh? <laughs> yeah. The larger the park gets, the bigger the ship is to turn and the I mean, slower it turns. You're yes. talking yes. this, you know, the size of small corporations for some of these parks. They're, they're enormous staffs. They are. What is the, what is the personnel of Redwood? 
So it's it's a little bit. That's a little bit of complicated. Oh, because, because we had the state, state in there correct. too. So I have this partner who's my equivalent who oversees several um, dozens of people as well who oversee the state parks, and then I have the national parks. So altogether, we have several hundred people with right. our partnership and people that work in our buildings very closely with us. It's hard sometimes to see the difference between a national state and some of our partners who are working side by side in our building. So overall, there's several hundred people in the building. Wow. Um, now, how does that work with the state parks? I, I I get it, but I don't. No, and it, this is an extremely unique park. And so so what happened was back in the 20s, uh, Save the Redwoods League, which is a nonprofit, was recognizing all the cutting going on. Was it on. John Muir? Or did he do the Sierra mm, Club? A little, yeah, a little bit later. Than yeah. Time. Yeah. And so, um, and so uh, what happened was they, um, they recognized that there was a lot of cutting going on. Redwood is a very valuable wood for a variety of reasons. It um, uh, has a lot of lumber. Um, right. Well, because it, it's, it's big. Yeah, it's big and, and it has a lot of uh, economic merchantable value. Right. And so it was being cut even at that time in the 20s with that technology at, a, at an alarming rate. And then it, it accelerated throughout time. And so um, <clears throat> in the 20s, the uh, say the Redwoods League recognized this and they wanted to protect what, what we would term as old growth redwoods, just uh, pristine redwoods that have not been cut. And so they uh, des- they uh, bought up a whole bunch of areas. They took folks on a tour. They they were able to raise money. These are actually and the, the crossover with the Park Service is fascinating. So some of the same people who were founding the Park Service in 1916 were also working at Save the Redwoods League to preserve some redwood areas. Hold on, stop. <clears throat> the National Park Service was founded in 1916. Correct. Right. Yes. But that gives it 50, 40 years bef- after the very first national park. What happened in the interim period? Well, so they were, it was at one point the National Park Service. They were managed by the Army, and uh, and each park was managed individually. But it became a service, a agency where they were managed as a single um, unit with single set of policies in 1916. Aha! Uh-huh. So each was like a sort of independent fiefdom upon itself. Correct. Aha! Uh-huh. And and that legislation, I have to say, in 1916 is some of the most moving legislation that has been replicated throughout the world. In 1916, we call it our Organic Act. Yeah. That was the key. That the key difference, and this is where America set the tone for the rest of the world that's taken on, is that we said we're going to protect these lands separate. We're not going to do them for timbering. We're not going to do them for that. And we're also going to provide, so we have this dual mandate. We're going to protect these lands and also provide for recreation and and access. And so that dual mandate has been taken on throughout the world. We were the first to do it and we set the tone and it is, some people describe it as America's best idea. Well, yes. I mean, that was the title of the Ken Burns documentary. It was the the parks, America's best idea. And there was, there's some other quote, someone Google it for me and put in the comments because I don't really care that much. (laughs) But to paraphrase was like, you could tell everything about a nation by its free space or everything about a nation by its preserved land or something along those lines was the quote. And I think that was a 20th century quote. Yes. Uh, and yeah, you could tell everything about our country by the zeal in which we preserve our land. That's right. Or no, 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 not going to, no, 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 not going to do them down because, that road, Ted Cruz. Um, 
He's an idiot. Um, oh, you don't report to him, so we could call I, him an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> awesome. Ted Cruz, you're a fucking idiot. Um, okay, yeah. Okay, so so in that interim period, the national parks were operating mm-hmm. on their own. Now we've got 1916, the National Park Acts kick in, mm-hmm. and that mandate has continued to this day. Right. And in fact, it was strengthened with the 1978 Redwoods Act, where they said that what I said earlier, which is that every park service unit, whether it be a national park, a national seashore, a recreation uh-huh. area, they're all treated under the same policy with the same protection right. of, for future generations. And this is sort of, and, and but back in the 20s, we digressed a little bit, in the 20s was where the state and federal partnership kicked in and why Redwood is unique. No. 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 So, so say the Redwoods League preserved these three uh, state parks, which are now part of Redwood National and State Park. And so Uh that was in the 20s, and those preserved until about the 60s. And in the 60s, there was recognition that there was very little. uh, Right now, uh, 95% of the uh, original uh, Redwoods, the the extent of the Redwoods, have been cut down. Right. So there's only 5% left. Right. And so... Um, Congress recognized that in the 60s. In 1968, they designated Redwood National Park, and they drew a boundary that included these three protected areas. Understood. And so that is – and so Congress kind of intended that there be a partnership, there be this – let's protect this ecosystem. So within this boundary that Congress drew in 1968 that established it – 45% 45% of the old growth redwood that exists in the world exists right here in Humboldt and Del Norte County. So, but it's only 5% of what was once. Correct. What would that have looked like? It must have been amazing. Yeah, immense, immense giant I mean, just, trees you, running for hundreds of miles. Oh, my have, God, it, that's insane. In case I turn to super villainy, um, what kind of resources are redwood good for? And I, I was, oh, everything. So <laughs> now I was saying that sarcastically, like I'm going to go start chopping out redwoods. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not going to do it. But just in so, case I turn to super villainy, what what can I get out of a harvesting a redwood? Right. So why why were redwoods so merchant? Why are they? Right, I don't right, know. Right, like, because I think like pines, just pine and right, oaks. Yeah. Oak, oak. You can make right. you know shipboards out of, and you know uh, you know hickory baseball bats, and that's pretty much where I'm gone. Right. 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 And so these are these are also very old trees, sim- not as old as the bristlecone, but they can live up to two thousand years old. And mm-hmm. so the older tree grows, the more dense, like an oak on the east coast. In the west here, these trees are old; they grow slow, and and there's natural tannins in the wood that that make them resistant to rot. Really, so right? That's why people use them on decks and in fence because it's just naturally oh. resistant to rot. So, is there harvested redwood now? Oh yes, there is. Oh, so there, oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. so 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 so, so ethically grown, grown and harvested redwood is perfectly fine. Yeah, it is. Oh, and and there there are there are areas around the park where wood is harvested right now yeah. under, using uh you know for sustainably methods right. that are totally appropriate to use because they're they're working to actually it actually helps because yeah. like too many trees grow up they need to. Thin in the forest, oh, and some yeah. of those are redwoods, and yeah. actually helps all the redwoods grow up. Yeah, and in fact, we're doing that within the park. Surprisingly, we're actually they when they uh, a lot of the lands were already cut over within Redwood National Park, right? Uh, when we when it was made in 1968, and so we actually had to go and. And harvest they're, those. They're planted too clo- close together. It's, that it's, happens in pine forests in the that's Northeast. Right, that's right. When the Civilian Conservation Corps pan- planted all those pine right. forests, they planted them all too close together, and now they all fall down their fire hazards. That's right. And so we have that same issue here. And so we're actually, as a national park, which is which is uh, unique, is that we've gone in and we're actually doing thinning within the park. Right. And we, we use some of the money that we make off that to then fund some of the restoration work in the creeks for salmon and other other critters. That is total. That's the total holistic makeup. 
up of the park system right That's there right. in like this little microcosm. Yeah. Wait, I totally thought of something and I told you, oh, wait. Oh, oh, everyone, this is going to be really interesting. Oh, I hope. Do you know where Methuselah and General Sherman are? <laughs> yes. Well, I, I know. Do you know where general, they are? No, do general, you know exactly where they are? Not Methuselah, but Sherman, sure. He's got a name on the tree. I mean. Oh, does it? I thought yeah. that was secret, too. You could drive up to it, dude. Oh, can you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought Sherman was secret no, also. No, no, no. Methuselah is secret, Me- though. Methuselah is secret. Do you know where it is? Yes. Inyon National Forest. It's in California. So, so the oh, oldest. Oh, it's not in yours. It's not anymore because oh. they cut down the oldest tree in the world in Great Basin, which is why it became a park. Oh. And so this is the oldest tree. Yeah, Stephanie just provided a statue of it. This was the oldest tree, um, Prometheus, that was cut down. It was over 5,000 years old as a research project in Great Basin National Park. Guess he didn't bring fire. <laughs> Boom, Prometheus. <laughs> so now with you stupid tree. <laughs> okay. So I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating that the oldest, tallest, and biggest trees are, are all, all within ca- a few yeah, hundred yeah, miles yeah, yeah, of yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, can right drive them all right in relatively yeah, yeah, yeah. in a day. Yeah, Although there is, there is one in in Syria or Lebanon that is sort of vying for it too. I think. I think. Okay. Or maybe it's the oldest. Bring it on. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think. Wait, I think. I think I'm remembering wrong. I think it might be the oldest still fruit bearing tree. Maybe okay. that's what that's, it is. That's fair. That's, my, yeah, yeah, that's fair. These yeah. are all conifers. Yeah, so you yeah, know what? Yeah, you know, no fruit on that conifers stuff. for life. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. As I, as I make fun of Lebanon, which has a conifer on its flag. So yeah, whatever, Lebanon. They cut know. them all down. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Those were good ships at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, okay, I'm sorry. I thought Methuselah was in your park. It's in a different one. It's in your national forest, which is but, in California. But we do know where it is. Yes. Well, no, I don't know. In, you know where the general forest is. You, they do not disclose the I location know. because Because of, some idiot will go be, something d- dumb. Correct. I'm going to go climb all through the yes. ring, baby. Let's cut it down for graduate school. Yeah, pretty, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, like the dumbasses who cut down Joshua trees in Joshua Tree Park. It's like, I'm going to go. Statue of Liberty and cut down the thing. What's that thing? Statue of Liberty. What a bunch of fucking morons. <laughs> All right, wait. We got lost. Uh, it's late at night and I've been driving for a long time. What were we talking about? Redwood National Park. Redwood so, National Park. Yeah. <laughs> Where we are currently. The history. And so so that's how we so the partnership was established in 1994 as a formal partnership. Um the, the intent of Congress could have been, some would say it wasn't, that those state parks would be turned over to the federal government and it would become one large national park. Right. The state of California decided not to what, let go of their crown jewel Redwood Parks. And so with that resistance in 1994, it was decided that we'd work in partnership. And so now we have this um, mixed workforce of state, right. national, and also partnership folks all working to protect and preserve the park. It actually is a great way to leverage the different efficiencies of different uh, units. And so it, it's, it, it also has its challenges as any, any partnership would. Now, I mean, that would like, so uh, New York has the largest non-national park in the lower 48, the Adirondack right. State Park, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There is some challenges going on the Adirondacks mm-hmm. right now because they're, the, the, the public-private is leaning low on the private right now. Yeah. Um, so like one of those hybrid hybridized federal state infrastructures would probably benefit the Adirondacks a little bit, you know? Um, so it's, it's good to see that it works. Um, also, it seems that, you know, uh, California seems to have its head on its shoulders when it comes to the environment. 
unlike certain other states, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah, certainly uh, California is environmental forward, I would yep. say. And, um, you know, we have 40 miles of coastline as well as part of Redwood National right. State Parks. And so so there's a lot of, um, it, it's extremely pristine coastline and ocean, which is it's really incredible. And I think a testament to the great work that folks have done here in California to preserve their coastline. That's awesome. Well, Steve has given us some amazing insight on how to get interested in your local and your state and national parks. What can you do to volunteer in the national park system? If you're, you know, you're completely unqualified, but you just love the national parks. And even if maybe you can't volunteer, but uh, how can you donate and help? Write your senators, write the orange Mm -hmm. clown. I don't know that he can't read, so it doesn't really matter. Um, What what can we do to help the parks, support the parks or enjoy the parks? responsibly yeah no that's great that's great and so there, there are a lot of ways you can support the park in, in terms of you, anyone has a skill that the parks could use in terms of volunteering i mean and there's i can think of, of one person who doesn't <laughs> and so so uh um we we always we are always accepting so we're always accepting volunteers to do a variety of stuff if, if it comes from pulling invasive weeds or um helping us uh reach out to the school children to help them I- engage in in the nature and and learn more about it there's a variety of of ways to volunteer in terms of donating um uh, we're as a park we're we're not allowed to ask for money, but we have many partners, including Save the Railroads League and Railroad Parks Conservancy, and every park has a group that helps them raise funds for that. You're always welcome to donate money to that or provide services to them, and that indirectly helps the park. So there's, there's a variety of ways to help out the park. And of course, as you visit a park, maybe one of the most important things you do is, is to act in an ethical manner. I think um, just you know, if you see trash, go ahead and pick it up. I mean, it, oh just, God, you, 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 you I know. I grew up on a park. Yeah, yeah just, that's just the natural yeah. thing. People are like, "What yeah. are you doing?" I'm like, "This just, is my backyard, bro." Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just tread lightly if you can. <laughs> I mean, realize that your impact. If you're visiting a park that has millions and millions of people visiting, that even your small impact on a cumulative matter will have an impact on those other folks. Think about the folks coming after you. They want to have that same experience at the Grand Canyon, at Redwoods. Right. So try to limit your impact if you can. And the rules are there to try to limit those impacts. They can sometimes be annoying, but think about why are those rules in place? Oh, yeah, I get because there's like they get 2 million visitors. They can't have everyone doing this. Right. Thing. I just saw on BuzzFeed there's a new trend about trail runners running and making picking up uh, plastic water bottles part of their trail run, which oh, is pretty cool. That's cool, um, yeah. Also, I just remembered I was driving – my car with Frank Botino in it, and we were driving. We were skirting this. We were skirting the edge of my park, the Pound Ridge Reservation. Mm-hmm. And Frank Botino threw a bag of McDonald's out of my car, and I stopped him. And I turned the car around. I said, "Frank, get the fuck out of my car and pick that up." And he's like, "Are you kidding?" I'm like, "No, you pick that up." Yeah. And then I waited till we crossed the border into Bedford. Then I said, "You could throw it out because Bedford is trash." <laughs> <laughs> he's just kidding, folks. <laughs> Oh, no, he could throw it out in Bedford. <laughs> I, mean, I made him pick it up again, but still, I told him he could throw it out in Bedford. Uh, <laughs> uh, what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. So there's so many ways to support and, yes. and go. Uh, what is it? NPS.gov, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go there, and there's a whole volunteer area that you can, you can look at and find ways to help. Or just reach out to your local park and just call them and ask, I'd like to help out. And, and they'll give you a, a – they have – every park has somebody who, who's, who helps – volunteers find a way to engage in the parks awesome okay uh last question yes speed round speed round favorite invasive species oh boy mine's the snakehead fish (laughs) (laughs) that's the one that can walk right yeah (laughs) the the one from china right that can walk 
From pond to pond? Oh, yeah, yeah. What's that called? Snakehead fish, yeah, right? Yeah, it's an yeah. East Coast one. Yeah, so uh, I've been in the West for Virginia too long. Creeper? Yeah, Virginia Creeper? Yeah. Virginia Creeper? That's East Coast too, right? Yeah. Jap- you're, you're an East Coaster, yeah. Japanese <laughs> beetles? They're invasive. <laughs> Japanese beetles are invasive. That's another one. I would say There's I spent- a Japanese beetle to the right of us, and she's yelling, shut up. The Japanese beetle are, yeah. yeah those can be a problem. But yeah. I would say my, I spent most of my time uh, with tamarisk, uh, which is What's uh, that? salt cedar. Uh, along the Colorado River. That was probably the biggest invasive species. It's the most, it's completely taken over the ecosystem adjacent to the Colorado River and, and dominated the riparian ecosystem. I would say that's the biggest le- one that I've worked on in my career, but there are so many. I, it's hard for me to say. I'd say second to climate change, invasive, spe- invasive plant species, also animals, but mostly yeah. plants, is the biggest threat to our national parks. Yeah, no, my, uh, my least favorite uh, invasive species is white people because they just... <laughs> I got I to gotta call you on that. No, I, I think that engaging people in the parks is what gets you to support them and support these areas. Oh, well, so. I, I was actually talking about entire continents. <laughs> Politics. <laughs> on, on that note, before I get Steve in any more trouble, please, everyone, if you are in Northern California, this is one of the most spectacular landscapes I've ever seen on Earth. And just the drive north from San Francisco is worth it alone. We drove hours in rain and sleet and a horizontal wind and it was still breathtaking coming here to the redwood national parks and redwood national and state parks uh steve metz superintendent thank you so much for being here everyone have a lovely evening goodbye steve goodbye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.